everybody. Welcome back to Balance Exchange. I'm Papa Bear here today with Cronus. And this episode, we're going to talk about freedom. Freedom! <laughs> hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know, yeah. <laughs> understanding. <laughs> my fellow Americans. Papa Bear here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is. This is Exchange. Oh, that's going to be like, a good start. Huh? That's going to be a good start. It's <laughs> like the uh, the one from uh, Braveheart, right? Yeah, Braveheart. Yeah. I was thinking, for some reason, I went to Highlander, but I'm like, it's definitely not Highlander. That's yeah. there can only be one. Same same geography. Yeah. Different different story. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we're going to do the same way we usually start off with, with uh, what are you drinking? Uh, so uh, I just had some ice cream, uh, nice. this keto, and so along those same lines. Let's see. So this one's the original lemonade, truly. I'll call that one number two. We'll have that one second, and we're going to open up a, a strawberry lemonade, truly. Nice. Um, I haven't been very disciplined on my keto, but these are still what I have in the fridge, so that's what they drink. They're still good. You know, I, I drink them even when I'm not keto. Cause... Yeah, they are a pretty tasty drink, so. Oh. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm not drinking booze. I did sober. I'm doing sober October, so that's right. That's um, right. I'm drinking uh, key lime, Lacroix. Okay. So yeah, and some ice. That was that was your like subtle way of saying like I think I remember asking you to join me on sober. October, oh no, it's asshole. okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, a lot of people they either forget or just I, I, some people tried to do it and they didn't even last like a day or more than I was just like wow. All right, well. Maybe you should look into that. <laughs> I, I think I saw your dialogue with someone on Facebook about that. They were like, oh, yeah, I tried, Brian. It's like, I think I made, like, what was it? Like, it was something like, I got three days out of four. Or did I wasn't? I was like, wait, that's, that means you only did one. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, if you're not ready, I, I get it. But at, at the same time, it's like, if, if, you, if you're drinking so much that taking a single day off is, like, fucking you up, then you should probably stop drinking for at least a month. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, and I saw the the thing you said too, after a couple of days, um, you were looking at comparing like stress levels, right? I was about to say heart rates, but your stress levels specifically according to your watch. Yeah. So, and it was saying that significantly better, right? Yeah. My stress levels have significantly dropped and my sleep, I'm finally getting some, it's not every night, but some nights I'm actually getting deep sleep. So I usually never get deep sleep. It's usually like less than 20 minutes and like the second day i did this i got uh an hour and 19 minutes of deep sleep and i was like whoa this is great yeah that's pretty good yeah but i don't i'm gonna go back to booze eventually i mean after the month is done so i mean wrinkle birthday shortly after that i have to prepare my liver for that so you know that's a good point (laughs) take october off so that you can hit it real good back yeah we need to probably figure out another thing like we did for uh, last year. That's how I was going to hit up Enrique and be like, hey man, let's, let's do it again because last year was uh, a lot of fun. And that's how we and went down. And this time we can both like bring people because that last one was just his guys. We'll see if we can schedule both of our crews of like everybody throughout history and be like, holy jeez. It's be a lot, <laughs> be a lot of Marines. <laughs> yeah. Keep keep the core like five or six of us in there and just start, keep cycling. Hey look, appreciate y'all you being here. You've been here for 10 minutes. We got to kick you out and get somebody else in. Yeah. <laughs> Come in, have a drink, and get out because we got we got too many people to bring in. Well, actually, this time um, I think I can probably host because I I can hold like I think a hundred people or something like that on this. Okay, so I, I think it's work. like a hundred. Yeah, 
because I pay for it. I better be able, be, be able to have a lot. So. Mm. Yeah, you would hope so. Yeah. All right, and now uh, what are you reading? Uh, so let's see. I'm going to do – we got to do like kind of the two-part thing we do sometimes when we do this. It's like what I've finished since we talked last. Yeah. Because I yeah. finished <laughs> another thing or two. And then um, what I'm actually listening to right this minute. So I finished The Next Great War, which we were talking about, which was like saying a comparison of like – where World War One was, how it started, and the people are making lots of comparisons between uh, World War One and the current state of affairs, where there's a like a rising great power and then a, a long-standing great power that are concerned with that rising power. You know, yeah. Um, so I finished that one. I also finished a book called The Folly and the Glory, which I think you'd actually really get a kick out of. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is basically like history of warfare with a specific focus on espionage sort of so like it talks about the history of it how there's a comparison between um the early years of war in the united states and how we didn't really even think about it or consider it, it wasn't a part of normal military culture for the united states yeah. and that um how russia looked at it completely differently so it goes world war ii into cold war and the, then us discovering this like espionage sort of concepts getting into it and then up until current day and how espionage has changed and how what political warfare is then compared to now, and it's pretty interesting. I think I think you'd be a kick out of it. Do they talk about social media in there? It does yeah, because that's like the modern, uh, yeah. you know, spies and just espionage. It's it's incredible how incredible how inept people are in America that are susceptible to just like just sharing all this stuff that is just it's by Russian bots. It's like. What, why are you guys sharing? Like, none of this stuff is true. And then they'll complain about, you know, things in America. It's like, oh, why are you making this racial? It's like, well, you're sharing something that is clearly racist and you don't realize it. Or you're sharing something that's clearly wrong and it's just like, and they'll blame it on the media. Like, well, the media is riling everything up. It's like, no, like, you are the person that's part of the problem. Yeah, the media's a problem too. But you sharing all this nonsense that you do no backstory on. You don't look up any of this stuff and you just share it out there. You don't know where it came from. I know where it probably came from, but you don't want to do any sort of research. You know, it's just like it's weird. Yeah, it, it, um, it's almost like they have the freedom to do what they want with that social media account. And yeah. that sometimes, you know, um, should be informed and yeah, it probably needs to be part of the conversation. So we'll come back to that probably. Yeah. Um, and the very last chapter of it, I think was literally like the whole reason the person wanted to write the book. So then they spent like an entire book's worth of writing, like leading up to trying to make you feel like you were like learning all this other stuff just so that they could be like, Oh yeah. And all this crap happened <laughs> in the last lesson. You're like, that wasn't the whole reason you wrote this. I could tell you were like super excited about writing. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's really good though. You get a kick, especially out of the last chapter. Um, so then finish that one out. And then right now I'm currently listening to uh, a star Wars book. Oh, which one? So it's from the Old Republic, okay, and it's called Fatal Alliance. Okay, it's actually a fairly new one. Um, and what was crazy is it's been probably at least a year or two since I listened to any of the Star Wars novels. I just haven't uh, done Star Wars. I've done so many other things, yeah, uh, that have been really fun and entertaining. And I haven't done Star Wars in a while. But as soon as Mark Thompson started reading it again, I was like, "Holy crap! I remember this guy's voice. <laughs> this, this is Star Wars. This, this is I remember this guy." Nice. Um, it's pretty interesting. I did have an idea, though, as I was listening to this. I was thinking, I want to go back over every episode 
and we need to on the website put a list of every book that we've mentioned like hey here's all the books that we've read or mentioned in our little this is what i'm reading yeah. section so that someone could just be like oh that's the that book that they said in that episode or whatever yeah because we talk about a lot of books it's a lot of books yeah <laughs> i was like there were, there were episodes where we spent 30 to 40 minutes before we even started the main topic at least yeah just talking about what we're drinking or you know what we are reading at the time i was like we spend enough time talking about it. Someone should be able to find that in a quick reference guide. So. I think two episodes ago, as you're watching or listening, was an episode just on one book. So, yeah. Yeah. Whole episode on a book. Yeah. I mean, and then the social context of what the book is trying to make a point about. But um, definitely uh, motivated by a book, I guess. Yeah. One way to put yeah. it. I like books. So what are you reading? Um, I am currently reading Killing Them Off. Oh, I only have 15 minutes left? Jesus. All right. Well, it's almost done. So, <laughs> I finished. finished. Yeah, well, I mean, it came out like, is today the 6th? Oh, it's the 7th. It came out like two days ago. So, uh, what is it? It's called Killing Them Awfully, and it's the, uh, the 11th book in the Good Guy series. So, like, the, the series, uh, the names of the books are, like, they're kind of funny. Obviously, Killing Them, killing them Awfully is, like, you know, Killing Them Softly. But like the names of like most of the books are like a sort of punish, so. Okay. Um, <clears throat> it's an awesome book series. It's actually hilarious. Um, there was like a part where he had to get like some monster, and he literally had like this ball to like capture a monster, very Pokemon-ish, and he literally threw the ball, and he said, "Big fuck off, monster! I choose you." Mm. <laughs> to like capture him, it's just it's silly. Um, <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, and then uh, it's a lit RPG, by the way. So yeah, it's it's it's, it's, yeah, it's a fun one. Every time I need a palate cleanser, I can count on that book to like make me laugh. So, um, and I I finished uh, the Sandman uh, Act Two uh, a couple days ago, which the Sandman on audiobook is the highest production value of any audiobook of all time, in my opinion. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. They have a uh, full voice cast. They have full sound effects, full music, everything. Uh, the main character, god damn, I forget his name now. He's like uh, the guy that played uh, X Men, not the X Men, Professor Xavier, as the younger guy, James McElroy. Oh, oh, younger. The younger uh, one. I think it's James McElroy, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, there's like a bunch of other people that are like noticeable voices that are in it, nice. uh, including John Lithgow. He's in it too. So it's like a bunch of people. So yeah, that's nice. what I'm. That's what I'm reading in slash read. So if you like the full production ones, um, like the very first uh, books that came out about Star Wars was like after the end of the Star Wars movies in, mm -hmm. in the 80s, 70s, 80s. And it was the Thrawn series, right? So right after those, it like starts up what would happen right afterwards is them trying to, the Empire still trying to hold together, yeah. even though the Emperor is gone. And it covers this Grand Admiral named Thrawn. And the that first book the audiobook it was one of the first audiobooks i listened to is like a 25th anniversary edition audiobook production or something it's got full cast full sound effect. It's, it's like one step away from being the movie you're literally all the sound effect everything is perfect I was like wow this is really really good and i imagine just when you said that i imagine similar kind of things like all the sound effects there everything you could expect just it's pretty amazing how good those are was an alphabet squadron like that too yeah full sound effects like that I listen to that Which one. one? Alphabet, Alphabet Squadron. Do you read that one? Just Star Wars. So, right? 
there's quite a few now. Like, I think they set a precedent with that one where people were like, I want Star Wars books to be like that. I want Sounds of Doors whooshing. I want phasers. I want lightsabers. Like, if I'm going to listen to it, I might as well have those sound effects. So, Like, he even does this, like, has a voice vocoder sort of sound effect when he's talking as someone who's wearing a helmet. Like, it sounds like they're in the helmet. You're like, what the heck? Why would you take the time to... This is cool. They put that audio production together. Yeah, sucks. Yeah, and Dune was like that, too. Yeah. Which is Dune? like yeah Dune right now yeah oh. the 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 book so yeah it was it was I think that was the first one that I'd listened to that had like more than just a few sound effects this one has like it had a lot of sound effects and like music and stuff like that and full voice cast so I'm used to just having like one narrator so yeah the same or or I listen to ones that have like main sections it's a male character main sections the female character so you get a male and a female voice actor and then if the chapter is primarily one of the characters it's one or the other but then they're still doing like the voice acting for the other characters yeah so it's definitely still cool but um nowhere near like those production ones i i have never listened to the audiobooks of dune i've only ever read the book or seen the movies and now i'm like man i really should do an audiobook yeah check out the, i think it was free for a while it might still be free if you have the audible plus yeah, try to hype it up for the for the the new movie. I, I want to see it, but I'm not going to theaters, unfortunately. I'll, I'll watch it when it comes out on HBO Max or something like that. So. Yeah, that's the same way. I'm, I'm so frustrated because I haven't seen Shang Chi yet. Yeah, Man. same here. I'm waiting. Sorry, like, ah. right, we still got you know. There's, there's plenty of media out there. Yeah. To to watch, like What If has been great. Um, I was just gonna. That was. I was gonna ask you. Did you watch? I didn't watch the latest episodes? one yet. No, I, I I'm one episode behind. I was gonna watch it. Well, I can't watch it. I couldn't watch it the day it came out because. I do a podcast on Wednesdays. I can't watch yeah. it today because I'm doing a podcast today. So I'll watch it tomorrow. I watched it at 4 o'clock this morning. Oh, nice. Well, I have to watch it with my, with my partner. So she can be mad if I don't watch I it. To, I had to see it. It's super good. Yeah. It seemed like it was leading um, up to something. I was surprised that it was like a story arc. You know? And they did a good job of keeping that from you for a while. And you're suddenly starting to go like, wait a minute. I'm starting to see. And then, then it does come together. And you're like, okay, this is thing i will say party thor is pretty funny yeah that one was that one was pretty funny i was, I was <laughs> just him in general as a character yeah. yeah so at this point in watching our videos you may or may not know that i am an active duty united states marine and i've been doing this for 20 plus years so i know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there if it's your first time watching this please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer if you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content um so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work what the philosophies and things behind them are and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something that is only my own position, I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on, um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out. 
um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow. We can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. All right. Okay, so yep, on to the topic. You want to talk, talk to me a little bit about freedom? Yeah, I want to bring up the topic of freedom because I've seen recently a lot of people have like a misunderstanding on what freedom really means in America and they kind of go a little too far with uh, what they think freedom means. They think that um, they have freedom over everything and we really don't in America. Um, and that's not, it's not a bad thing. Like I think it's actually a good thing that we don't have absolute freedom because you can't, you can't have like a lawless place right you can't just do whatever you want especially when it affects others so i think within within yourself yeah you you can basically do whatever you want within your own confines but as soon as you start encroaching upon others that's when things need to be curtailed and that's when people need to like really take a step back and i start i start thinking about like how you affect others and i've just seen a rash of people just like screaming freedom and they don't really understand like, there's rules and laws in America that we all abide by. And there are obviously, because of the, the pandemic, we've had some new mandates that have come out that are, yes, they're inconvenient. But um, just because this one mandate comes out doesn't mean that they're encroaching upon your entire life. Because there's a whole lot of things that people go through their entire lives that they go within these confines that they're totally fine with. But as soon as they come up with a new mandate to protect other people, other Americans, then all of a sudden it's a big deal. And I find it very odd that it's like that. But I think it's also, I shouldn't be too surprised because um, we're kind of sold a bill of goods that America is, is like one of the freest nations in the world. We always talk about freedom. We bring freedom, really freedom to other countries. You know, sorry to put the air quotes up because we don't always bring freedom to other countries. We try, <laughs> but... Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about like the things that you can and can't do and why is some things acceptable, but other things aren't acceptable. Yeah. Something you said, uh, triggered an idea that I hadn't had before. And I do have some ideas I want to talk about, but I want to stay on what you kind of just said and introduced to stick to it. So let's think about this, right? So you specifically mentioned masks, right? Kind of basically. Well, yeah, the man, really mask, yeah. You're talking about masks. And now it's going to be the vaccine mandates. They're coming, so, yeah. Yeah. So let's stick to masks. Masks is a little easier to, to kind of work with because it's literally just asking you to wear a thing, right? Put a mm -hmm. thing on your face to protect other people. Saying inject a thing in your body, a little bit more of an ask. Yeah. A little bit more. But just to wear a mask. Let's even just stick with just wearing a mask because people don't want to do that. They want to say, you can't tell me that I have to do that, right? Um. When, when you grew up, when I grew up, uh, how how completely comfortable and, like, every time they got in the car, start the car, seatbelt on. Yep. Your parents. Yeah. Did your parents do that? After, like, a certain time period when it became, you know. Because yeah. back in the early first, 80s, yeah. yeah, it was kind of Wild West. <laughs> but after that, yeah. yeah. Was, like, cars were, the, the rule, the law was, like, the car has to have the seatbelt but <laughs> no, no one was telling the people they had to wear the seatbelts yet, right? But then I remember specifically in Washington, like this huge like campaign to remind people that it was a requirement and that you you had to wear your seatbelt and like the whole click it or ticket stupid sign campaigns and all yeah. this other stuff. Like that was all 
that all happened like at a point in our lives where we saw our parents like this is stupid why do i have to wear a seatbelt and then eventually wearing seatbelts and now like i got in my truck today <laughs> to move from one parking spot to another parking spot so that i could put my truck or put my motorcycle in the bed of the truck and like instinctively close the door push brake start truck seatbelt on i'm like wait i'm like going <laughs> yeah. across the parking lot <sighs> Whatever, I'm already have it on. Just like, just back it up, and okay, now take seatbelt off and get out of the truck. It was like, I've now conditioned myself so much to the point that it's absolute instinct to go, like in that sequence, like even just to go across the parking lot, and and that was asking a person to put on a thing to help keep keep people safe, right? Keep yourself safe, really, more than anything. Um, but then that's also us saying enforcing it in our car, like, hey, put your seatbelt on. Hey, put your seatbelts on in the back. Okay, now we can go. Yep. But, you know, that would have been a fight at first. But if you ask anybody today, they'd probably be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wear my seatbelt all the time. Because I understand that it is for safety. I understand that it's a law. I understand that I can get a ticket. Like, all these other things that help influence it. Um, we can talk about fines uh, and, and who those really affect. Uh, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just because the people who who are worried about fines are you know only one particular portion of the population. Yeah, yeah, because it's over police places, which I mean, read between the lines, brown people. Anyway, um. well, and I mean, even even if it wasn't, say you're on the interstate and it was just a random person who got pulled over and it was not in a specifically targeted area. Yeah, and they receive the ticket and get the one hundred and twenty five dollar ticket for a seatbelt. Like, even for me, like, that's not a crap load of money. It's one hundred twenty-five dollars. Yeah, but it's still enough to be like, do I really want to spend one hundred twenty-five dollars on something dumb like not putting my seatbelt on? No, so I'll go ahead and cover it to the point where I loaded my motorcycle today because it was going to cost one hundred fifty dollars for the the motorsports place, the motorcycle place, to bring their trailer and pick up my motorcycle to work on it for free. Like the probably thousands of dollars worth of maintenance they're going to have to do on the motorcycle, I don't have to pay. <laughs> but the one hundred fifty dollars for them to come get it and take it over there was like. I'll figure out how to get in there myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, I mean, it's it's uh, interesting they brought up fines because honestly, if people keep going this route of you know not masking up and then not getting the vaccine, like they're gonna start doing fines. But this is where it gets super interesting because there's pl- there's police officers and sheriffs and law enforcement uh, agencies that are just saying no, we're not gonna enforce these. I'm like, so when 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 did it become uh, acceptable for somebody, for a law enforcement officer, to not enforce a you know a law because of their own personal beliefs? That that is incredibly crazy to me that they can just choose like what laws they d- decide to enforce or not. It's like if you could do that the whole time, then maybe stop giving out bullshit tickets. <laughs> but so there's no revenue being generated by enforcing this law right now or enforcing this mandate right now. So there's no incentive for the police force to do so. So nobody in their organization is telling them they have to, right? So they're able to individually decide. But as soon as, as soon as the police chief is like, oh, shit, we can make some money on this thing? Yeah, hey, you better get out there and enforce those mandates. <laughs> yeah, that's that's dark and it's wrong. But we, it, but it's true. You know, it's, it's true. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's one of the reasons why I don't think that, you know, tickets – um, should be revenue for the for the police department. It, should, it needs to be if it's going to be any kind of revenue, it should go back into the community, right? It shouldn't go back yeah. into the department because then, obviously, it's going to put in you know an incentive for you to write more tickets so you can get more revenue. And it's just, come on, <laughs> idea that fixes some problems we've talked about. 
So ticket is issued and a fine is associated to it. So the geographic location in which you issue the fine, like a very specific like zip code, right? So this neighborhood or town, if you like, depending on how, how condensed your zip codes are, um, wherever you actually get the ticket goes to the school district right there. Yeah, because that, yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> like you want to come through this neighborhood with a school zone sign right there in a 25 mile per hour zone and go 60 miles an hour through a school zone, yeah. you're going to get that ticket and that money's going to go to that school. Yep. But, and then, then we put money into our schools, which then opposite effect of, you know, trickle down economics is like trickle up education. Like yeah. you educate this group of people and they'll be able to do better jobs and do all these other things. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, you say, give me that idea. That is a good idea. That's, that's a great idea. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think uh, if, they, if there was fines for these masks, it'd be uh, be pretty messed up. And yeah, the seatbelt thing is is a great, uh, it's a great uh, metaphor. I mean, it's it literally the exact, it's almost the exact same thing, you know. Except with masks, you're just protecting others instead of just yourself. You're mainly protecting others, and people still don't seem to understand that. They seem to be very confused on why to wear a mask, or why to wear a mask, and it's it's very like odd that people are still just so hesitant to do these things it's like you're talking about that people that the government can't tell you to wear a mask but they sure can tell you to put on clothes yep and it's literally just another piece of clothing like that's this is pretty much all it is you put a mask on it's part of clothes but just go walk around naked you if you, if you think you're that free go walk around naked somewhere and if could you get away with walking around in just like uh a speedo though depends on where you are it's a good point there's places where it literally says on the door before you walk in no shirt no shoes no service yep and they sure enough can kick you out for that so, so did i ever talk to you about austin peterson did i talk to you about him already austin peterson no so he was when um we talked about the last presidential election where we both kind of or are you uh i'm trying to think right now i can't even think of the guy johnson uh gary johnson you. gary so when Gary Johnson ended up getting Libertarian nomination, uh, the the guy I was going for at the time, his name was Austin Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, so he now has a, a radio talk show in Missouri. Um, he basically does this morning show each each day that kind of talks about liberty and freedom and all the stuff that we're kind of talking about too, but from a very Libertarian point of view. And uh, one of the things he was talking about was kind of related to this where it said it's the, the business thing where – you know, does a business is a business a private thing where this private entity, this personally owned property, this business who should be able to decide what they can and can't do if their business is successful or not? That's based on what they choose to do. And so then it's like the it's the forcing someone to bake a cake for someone thing, right? That whole story. It's like, hey, look, we don't want to serve those customers. We shouldn't have to. But uh, what he talked about was the the way that. Um, that's not allowed is that you're serving the public, right? So as soon as anyone is allowed to walk into that door, because it's just a public customer service kind of capable, like process that you've decided to set up your company or your business for, that's where they get in trouble because then you're you're now providing a public service and you fall underneath those kinds of laws. But if instead it was like a club that is a paid membership, like, no, you can only come in here if you've paid your annual dues or something like that. Mm-hmm then you don't fall under those same rules and it is a privately owned, a privately managed, a privately maintained business or whatever. And so then you could then say, I only bake cakes for certain people 
people who are members of this club and then you can only join if you've paid your membership and are a member of the club or whatever. So he's like, like, so he's like, that's how like you could potentially get around that if you wanted to, but no one wants to do that because then your business wouldn't be successful. So that's why you have to be aware of the fact that you are providing a service to the public. And that's why you do need to meet these criteria. You can't be, you know, uh, biased against people and tell them, no, you just can't come in here. But then he also finished up with like, but would you want to eat a cake from someone who doesn't want to make it for you? I mean, yeah, think about that. <laughs> that's the other side of it. Yeah, that that there's like a lot of that's a whole messy area of like, you know, your own personal, you know, beliefs and like what you want to like. Should you just because you sell something to, to the public, should you be forced to do whatever the customer says? But at the same time, let me just be clear though. I'm not, because we're talking about the, the guy who didn't want to sell a cake to a gay couple, right? I'm totally yep. for gay rights. So, but I'm just saying, in general, though, like, should you be forced to do something that you have, that you personally don't believe in, or you personally um, have a problem with? You know what I mean? Like, just because you sell to the public doesn't mean the public can force you to do the public's whim. Like, I think there's, there's got to be a line somewhere. I don't know what the line is, but there's got to be a line somewhere. The, so the refusal can't be because of the customer, right? It might be because of what you're asking. Like, you want me to make a cake with a giant dick on it, but, like, I don't want to make that cake because yeah, it's the kind of cake point. that I don't want to make. Yeah. But instead, I'm saying I don't want to serve you as a customer because of you, who the person you are. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a It's then a bias yeah. based on the customer instead of the product. Um, and so that's where I think the line is. Yeah. Um, because, you know, we mentioned right now a contentious I almost tried to say like this one isn't contentious when the on like the very last episode we talked about it clearly still is but like if it was racist instead pretty much everybody you would in you know because it would be clear and say it was like obviously verbal and like written down because if it's not that clear then it's not racism which we know is not true but it's yeah. clearly the way most of the laws are written today is that if it was clearly racist decision then we would all say yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely you can't do that I don't care like what it is as long as it's still the product you are normally providing. You can't deny it to that customer because of the customer. And so that's the kind of the line, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause yeah, I'm just thinking about it. Cause I, it's hard for me to justify like what the guy, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify it, but it's like, if, unless the guy's like literally trying to make you like draw a dick or something like that, like on your cake or do something that's like, you know, graphic that has to do with like this still, right. you know, but he, he what they, they weren't, they were just trying to get a, a just a wedding cake. So right. Yeah. And people should be so allowed to get a wedding cake. The line could be, say, like, I'm not going to put toppers on it. Like, if I don't agree with gay rights, like, I'm not going to put two dudes on top of the cake. Like, that's I, I want to not make that cake that way. But here are the toppers. You can purchase them. You can put the, those things on. Like, I'll make the cake that is a standard cake, but I, I don't agree with this particular thing. Maybe that would be, like, kind of getting, like, I'm trying to help, but I don't agree with, you know, the situation, but I, I'll make you a cake. Just but I'm like, not going to decorate it that way. I hate like this this topic in general. Like I don't I don't like it be, only because it's like the person not wanting to make the cake. It's like why do you care about the people's personal lives? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really have anything to do with you. They're not harming you in any way. They're not them them existing should not bother you at all. And I think that's where it gets like really weird for me. It's just like. Let them do what they want to do in their own personal lives. They're not asking you to, to participate in the personal lives. They're asking you for a product that you clearly sell from your establishment. You know? So. I guess. So, to take it to the extreme a little bit, right? To be 
to, to use arguments other people have used so we can have this conversation. Um, so what if it was a marriage between a 13-year-old and like a 40-year-old? Well, that's illegal. And they want you to make that cake. Not in some states. <laughs> is it? Is, well, it's... 13 is legal age in some states. Yeah. If you have permission from the parents. So say parents come in, yes, we get permission for this person to get married, and there's a 13-year-old and a 40-year-old, and you have to make that cake. Suddenly you're like... <laughs> This to me is not okay. But yeah. like you said, am I just supposed to be like, whatever? It's just the people uh, make a cake, so that. Well, this is okay. So this is a weird thing. I think usually when cake, when people make cakes, do they actually know who's getting married, besides the names? Like, that's like what's weird to me. It's like they don't have like a wedding, wedding? planner. Yeah. So if you use a wedding planner, no. Um, but like. A lot of people go in and they together choose their cake and like pick out the kind of cake you want and what the icing is and how many tiers and like you do all this process together and it becomes a thing you enjoy and do together and if that was who came in and asked you to make it like most of us would be like it's okay like it's okay for them to not be okay with this situation and to feel uncomfortable and not necessarily know what to do and maybe just go back on their own morals and their own values yeah well they, that is really extreme though this is, this is a place where you can get you can marry a 13 year old in the United States, <laughs> Jesus. I, let me. I, it probably. I may is. be exaggerating. Maybe it's fourteen. Sorry. But still, I mean, it's uh It's very young. It's gross. It's very young, and I know. Yeah. I know one. The youngest one is with adult permission. Is specifically outlined in the law. So, like your parents, if you're under a certain age, so and then that's even low too. So it's like sixteen and older, fine, and then a certain age under that is like with. Uh, your parents' permission, and then a certain age is not at all. Honestly, I, I've had recent thoughts on the different ages that we allow people to do things, especially when it comes to like making life-altering decisions. Um, yeah, I think that they should raise the age of, of being married. To be honest, it should be like twenty-one. Because, and I, I know you got married, young man, but I, I know a lot of people that got married young, and I was one. I wasn't that young, but. Um, like for the most like you don't even know who you are at the time you know what i mean for the most part for most people and it's very difficult to expect somebody that that was you know 18 20 years old to be to be the same person when they're like 30 or 40 years old you know what i mean like most guys at least i can't speak from a woman's point of view but most guys are still growing at that you know at those ages up until 21 usually like around 22 23 is when most dudes start kind of calming down and and becoming sort of more uh, more rational. <laughs> and I feel like there's no way this was right. What? Alaska is 11. That is... That can't be right. Yeah. This, this got to be a typo, right? Like, no, I mean... Wait a minute. And then it says, so general marriage age. I don't understand what this means. So I'm going to have to check a couple of these. So it says the general marriage age is 11. And then minimum marriage age 12 14 age of consent eight you see you can't you can't expect an eight-year-old to consent to anything like so with parental consent a person can marry at eight that yeah that to with me that's parental consent and judicial approval a person can marry at 11 this is alaska and this is clearly my moral bias here but that's just that's because <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking about like if you've ever had kids Kids don't know what they want at age 8, 11. Most kids at 15 still don't know what they want. You know, they're teenagers. They're still super wishy-washy. And it's just to, to expect somebody to enter a lifelong contract with another human being, a lifelong legal and financial contract with another human being at that young of an age, they don't know 
what they're signing up for. There's like literally no way that they know what they're right. signing up for. Right. And, and that's just excluding the disgusting like sexual part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So So California has it's 18 and then there is no minimum because 18 is the only yeah. and then 18 is like with parental consent and then there's this massive freaking paragraph of like addendums and extra like oh let's talk about all this extra stuff so age of consent is 18 but if you're an emancipated minor which you have to be 14 in order to be emancipated then that's an exception to it so then if you've emancipated yourself you're you're old enough and a court has decided that you're mature enough to make the decision to yeah on your own you are now considered an adult you are basically considered like you're 18 if you chose to get married at that point too also an exception for that interesting there's that. literally like pages of stuff for california is weird i was emancipated so, i yeah. uh i almost did i started almost all the process but i think i was like a couple months away from being 18 anyway i was like wait a minute it's gonna take what kind of process and it's gonna take how much yeah never mind i'm good i'll i'll, I'll be 18 in a little while so I'm just my... um, i did get parental consent or like adult consent on a few things like um you could instead of getting fully emancipated you could get a form to make most specific decisions uh, if you were under the age of 18 and then have an adult sign that and then like it was co-signed sort of thing. That's that's what I that's what I did. I had my, my dad sign it so I was emancipated because okay. it was just, just made things easier because I was I had to go to school like kind of it took me like two hours to get to school and two hours to get back and then I worked like a, like a swing shift so mm. it was just easier to like be emancipated and like deal with my own things <laughs> when I was a senior in high school. You have to be 21 in Mississippi. To get married? Nice. Makes sense. Good to go, Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think you'd ever say that on this show, did you? <laughs> yeah. I also think the same thing should be said for um, for joining the military. That's a whole different conversation, though. So, actually, no, because yeah. it has to do with freedom. But, yeah, I think it should be 21. It does. It does. Uh, freedom ain't free. No. No, and I think that there's too many uh, young people that enter these, like, like I said serious contracts at a very young age when most people don't even know the consequences of what they're entering in so yeah i think 21 is a, is a better idea like learn to be a, a person first and then if you want to be in join the military definitely join the military but know what you're getting into what if we did a better job of teaching people what it is to be people that'd be a good idea too but also uh with that we'd have to look at the way that we're currently recruiting uh kids have you seen like the new recruiting practices uh, what do you mean? They have the army is using Twitch to uh, <laughs> recruit kids, and they're using like these crazy, like terrible, um, like cartoons to recruit kids. And I'm just like, I don't feel comfortable anymore with like having an adult convince my kid to do anything. You know what I mean? Like if they decide to do it on their own, do their own research, cool. You want to join the military, cool. But I, I think it's there is. You've gone through the recruiting process as long, like as well as I have. There is a bit of coercion going on in all of them, yep. and I think that kids should not be susceptible to that sort of coercion, especially when they're going to school still. Um, but I still think, like, if you still really want to be in the military, I mean, no, nah, I still, still, twenty one. I still think it should be twenty one. For real. <laughs> I mean, if, if if especially given where they're, where they're targeting. The, recruit, the recruitments, for the most part, it's usually in like poor cities or inner cities, and they're only they're recruiting only in certain areas, like hardcore. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it would go with a part of the conversation we had last week too, 
I say last week, specifically last week's episode, it's not there. Um, that remember I brought up the like, you really need to, like, maybe we should restructure it and all of the, like, officers that are commanders of things were through the ranks and are selected for some kind of a commissioning program and then it would make all those enlisted Marines a little bit more mature anyways when they first start. And it would start putting the age of where we have right now, our youngest junior officers or whatever, and the youngest like enlisted Marines, maybe pretty darn near the same age. So yeah. then it starts looking even less like that makes sense. Like, wait, was it college that made you better or was it like four more years of life and experience and some other things that made you a better leader? So then maybe now the difference between you two is nowhere near what the gap was before. And it makes a whole lot of sense to say, hey, you know, five, six years from now, if you want to apply for a commission and become a lieutenant, like now now you have not just three, four more years of life compared to the 18-year-olds in right now, but also now five years worth of six years worth of whatever experience in this service. And now you actually know how the organization works a bit yeah. and can lead a bit better. So that ties those two kind of together even more tightly if it was this older age. So second point, unless you want, you want to hit something on that no, one. No, no, keep going, keep going. Okay, so in that same vein, though, so what's the legal smoking age right now, tobacco? It depends on where you live. It's 18, but it's 21 in San Francisco. <laughs> federal, the federal now is 21. Oh, shit, all right, I didn't know that. I don't smoke anymore, federal, so. Yeah. 21, for 18 for tobacco, or 21 for tobacco, along with alcohol. So if you're going to tell me a United States citizen can't choose to smoke tobacco, can't choose to drink alcohol until they're 21 years old, but they can choose to join the military. Yeah. And it's also super weird when you're in the military, especially right now, when you join and you can't drink. And it's like if you're under, obviously, every, unless you're like just a non-drinker at all, which is very few in the Marine Corps. There's some. But it's hard to like have Marines like not drink at all until they're 21. Like it's, it's damn near impossible. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and especially, so, like, there's a part of celebrations and a part of, you know, being an organization together uh, who are willing to take these risks and willing to put their life on line and do all these things. There's a part of those celebrations and a part of that, you know, history that includes that. And so, yeah, it happens. And I, I think I've talked about this before. Like, I, it really frustrates me when we try to, like, target and go out and specifically try to find people drinking in rooms. Like, just leave it alone. Yeah. If they come to you because they did something dumb, then they need to learn that they need to learn to drink more responsibly. Not that they shouldn't be drinking. Like, I get that that's a rule, and I get that that's a law, and I just, I just think the two need to match. If we're going to let people join at 18, then they should be allowed to smoke and drink at 18. If we're going to let people, or we're going to say people can't drink until they're 21, then they can't join until they're 21. Yeah, I think it. I think it, honestly, I think it'd be better for the military, because I think you would have. I when I see like a lot of like shitbird marines, a lot of most of them are young, and yep. they have issues that came from before they were even in the mil, in the Marine Corps, and they just they're unresolved, and they come out yep. you know in horrific ways sometimes, because they're young, when they're enlist well, mostly enlisted people, and because they're young and they're going through like this very you know sort of traumatic time being in the in the marine corps and sort of the, the war sides of them come out because they haven't matured yet um and i think it'd be we'd be much better as a fighting force if we had at least a, a minimum maturity and I, I think for most people like being 18 you're not mature yet you know you you, you barely know what's going on at 21 you at least have a better chance of having matured a little bit more 
and really knowing what's going on and knowing what you want to do. Um, but yeah, at 18, it just it seems to me it's like incredibly young to, to make these decisions, especially when you have like basically kids, you know, operating these million dollar, you know, systems. Like it's really, it's very strange to me. <laughs> Obviously they so, get it done, but it could be done better. And I'll make that noise while you're talking. It's all good. Um, so did you know that the legal age basically, so in Japan, when you become an adult, it's like we're talking, all of the things then are the same, right? So you're officially legally an adult and like all things are tied to that same age and it's 20 years old. So that's when you are done with all of your like, um, adolescent stuff so you, you're no longer a part of school you are an adult you can drink you can smoke like all those things are tied to the same exact age and it's just at 20 years so because you're in japan um and you deal with local laws then for us there the drinking age is also 20 oh that's nice yeah so for marines if you join and you're under 21 uh, if you go to japan you if you're oh. 20 also if you're a marine in san diego you can just go to tijuana and get smashed so i used to do it all the time <laughs> also true just make sure you have somebody driving you back that you know yeah. is of age so <laughs> yeah and i think i mean i think you're aware of this right and, and you're saying you did the same and it's like i think that anybody who drinks uh like now right they're they're an adult they're of age and they drink if that is a thing that you do um most likely you drink while you're underage that's just that's just my position on it I will, I will bet money. I would be absolutely willing to bet a significant amount of money on the fact that you drank when you were underage. I mean, most people... Well, people. it's funny because people talk about gateway drugs all the time. But I think if you want to talk about gateway drugs, the number one has to be alcohol. It has to be alcohol. I mean, cigarettes, sort of, not really. Because cigarettes, I mean, it tastes bad. The, the initial, like, sort of euphoria you kind of get you only get it when you first start smoking, then you never get it again. It's like the, the literal chasing the dragon. Alcohol is... And for, uh, what's up? And for a lot of people, tobacco, like, gets you lightheaded, like, makes you nauseous. Like, you get lightheaded to the point you're like, I don't feel good. Like, and so you kind of get turned away from that a lot of times, too. Yeah. For a lot of people. Yep. But booze, for most people, not everybody, it's, uh, at minimum, a social lubricant. You know what I mean? Like, you feel definitely more free, you know, to do whatever you want. I mean, but... There's a line, though, that when you're young, you might not know, you know, if you drink too much, you can get, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble. You, yeah, you either lose the ability to function properly, right? Or depending on the person you are, like, you might just be an aggressive drunk or, like, there's a certain point where you turn into, you know, the fighter, even though you, you can't fight. <laughs> yeah, and like the that book that I read, um, the, the, trauma, the trauma book that I read, it was, uh, uh, it was interesting. Say again? You said this, The Body Remembers or something like that? Uh, the Body Keeps Score. Body Keeps Score. That's yeah, it's a, it's a book about trauma. I recommend everybody read it. Um, yeah. But I think that for a lot of people that went through, that go through trauma, uh, alcohol becomes, it's a, it's a self, it's self-medication. So you basically yeah. self-medicate with alcohol. Um, that's what a lot of people do, but myself included. So um, have you heard of this thing called the, the ACE score? It's the adverse ACE score. Yeah, the adverse childhood environment score. No. So I'd recommend everybody, especially if you think you might have had like kind of a weird or messed up childhood, the thing called the ACE score. I'm just Google the adverse adverse childhood experience score. Um, it's like ten questions, 
and see what your score is. Um, mine is I have a score of six, which is great, which is high. <laughs> so, but I'd be curious on what yours is, especially um, knowing that you spent some time uh, being homeless. So that'll uh, th- that'll be interesting to see what 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 your score is. Uh, I'll see. Uh, uh, should I do it now? How fast is it? Uh, it's ten questions. So. Yeah, it takes like a couple seconds to read, but you know, I can keep. Okay. Let's see want... if I can do this while we talk. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was interesting because like, I, I was thinking about it like after like this book was like, kind of help, helping me internally. This is also why I'm getting some better sleep now because of this book. Um, and realizing like why I have terrible sleeping patterns because I I never felt safe, <laughs> like, for the vast majority of my life, and that's why I don't sleep well. Uh, and then they talked about the A score and then my, my partner was like, well, why don't you like take it and see like what it says? So I took it and I showed her the number and then she Googled the number. And she was like, Whoa. <laughs> so Yeah. And I think that there are, like you said, you talk about keeping score and that probably it's part of the reason I imagine that it's part of the reason for me not sleeping, but I will tell you like the CPAP machine, man, like, makes me sleep so much better and like there have been a couple nights recently where i'm like i forgot and i wake up and i look and i'm like yeah i got like very little real sleep and then i'll do that for a night or two because i'm just busy or lose track of what i'm doing or i can't focus um when once it's time for bed and then i do two or three nights like with it on i'm like oh my god why do i ever sleep without this damn thing on i can't i don't understand why i just get like part of me it's like one extra step you know like i'm tired i just want to go to sleep yeah and it's those extra steps of like sleep. put all this crap on so that i can go to sleep but it's I'm, I'm not actually going to get sleep i have to keep that in mind like you're not going to get rest if you don't do it um but i'm sure that beyond the physical of whatever is going on like there's some part of it that's um trauma based did i tell you the story about like afghanistan and my my like good friend who at the time was not a good friend when we were in afghanistan um and how we both realized that that's probably part of it. That what's like the trauma thing or the Afghanistan thing. Oh no, you didn't tell me about this at all. So we, we were in Afghanistan together in 2010 and then, so 13 months there and all of the stress that goes along with a, a 13 month combat deployment. Um, and so two years after that, I got selected for warrant officer. He got selected the year after that and then joined me at the unit that I was at. And we were together working there for the first couple months before we realized, like, all of the... We did not like each other in Afghanistan at all. <laughs> and uh, working together, like, in a different capacity as warrant officers, though, we both realized we understood why and we became really, really close friends. Uh, but then conversations a couple months later was, like, I was, he could tell I was tired or whatever. He's like, you tired? I was like, yeah, I don't sleep, man. I'm up at, like, this time. I barely go to bed by this time or whatever. He's like, yeah, I couldn't sleep for crap either. It's all of the all of the stuff of like just never getting any sleep and always being on edge while we were in Afghanistan. And I was like, yeah, holy crap. That's probably like, and it was that realization that literally I was like, I slept like a baby that night. Like just knowing that that was it and allowing myself to be like, I don't need to think the same way. I don't need to let my body drive me to that point. But I still hadn't years later let go of that, that like stressor, like to sleep. And it was kind of crazy. Literally just talking about it made me, be able to sleep better yeah that's that's what the the book did for me is like i had to think about it like why can't i sleep then i was like oh this is why so let's let's try to work on that yeah it's just it's crazy how i think that most people they like their baseline is messed up and they don't even realize it 
like like think about it like a like as a like a pain ba- baseline because it's basically kind of easier because other things are kind of ethereal right so if those are like the like the the happy face happy to happy to sad face like pain matrix thing yeah, that you have to do yeah. <laughs> like the, the the zero to ten on the pain scale yeah. like if you were if you were constantly at a three your baseline is like basically a three so your three is basically now your zero so anything worse than you know your three like you'll you'll feel but you still have like this underlying pain that's not it's not too bad but it's there you just kind of live with it but yeah. someday somebody figures out that hey you're out of three and this is what you need to do to like come out of the three and then all of a sudden like you're just like whoa like your whole world is different but uh, most people when it comes to like stress and stuff like that like they're constantly living like at a like at a baseline that's elevated and they have no idea why and it affects their bodies like they have no idea why you know um like their hands are always clenched or have like a tick in their eye or you know like some of the muscles are all messed up like your body like it, like the book says it keeps score and like there's like you can't escape these things unless you like deal with them so yeah so uh question on this questioner thing i want your opinion on it right sure. so what if what it says is specifically uh gender based but if roles were reversed you would answer one way or the other I would so like one of these one. talked about like if your mother or stepmother was in a specific situation but what if it was the oh other way i know exactly what you're talking about if it's the other way around yeah i would answer still still yeah. say like that happened yes right? yeah yep. that's what i'm thinking too i'm like oh because it caused the same feelings yes. and the same thought you're still thinking of the same thing so yeah. yeah i think i know exactly the question you're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> only like one more left yeah yeah sometimes you gotta think about it because like sometimes we don't think about these things all the time so I had, to, I had to think about it for a while nine nine yeah see that's that that's terrible <laughs> so <laughs> yeah there yeah. was i think there was only one that i said no to yeah, and if you go and like look up like what uh, the A score of nine means, like there's like all these things that are associated with having like I think it's, I think it's anything higher than a five or a six, or it's like it's like it literally reduces your lifespan. And it's just like <laughs> yeah, and what? I think yeah, and I I again I don't have the study or the research, and I haven't read the rest of this stuff too. Just I kind of was like I'll get the score, see what happens. Um, that you can <laughs> you're saying it that book says otherwise, but part of me wants to say, and it's probably just personal bias <laughs> is that you can get past it. Right. You can, you can overcome that stuff, but, but it's you, still going to always be a part of you. Yeah. I mean, I technically guess. you can, but it's unlikely that you're going to do it on your own. That's, that's the problem. Yeah. And I think, so for me, um, I, I am glad for tying to our conversation last, like for the Marine Corps. Cause I, I can put in the fam- my family, which came very closely afterwards. And the two are very tightly meshed um, that those are the things that, you know, made me get through that stuff or allowed me to have a more important focus, I guess. Yeah. 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 I was um, thinking about we the... did. Go ahead. Oh, you know, I was thinking about the same thing. I was like, you know, the Marine Corps, like it did a lot of good for me. And then I was thinking, like, I literally went from like one traumatic livelihood to like another. Because like the it, when you go to boot camp, it's, it's pretty traumatic. Yep. You know, and it's just like, yes, it helps you, but it also doesn't help you. <laughs> like, on, it helps you, like, yeah, like, get you, get your life together, but it doesn't help you with, like, all the stuff that you went through, and, like, it doesn't even address any of that stuff. Like, you just kind of, it teaches you how to just, like, kind of push forward, but you don't resolve think, anything. Yeah, 
I think it, it doesn't say to resolve it. What it teaches you to do is kind of like channel your trauma. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Put forward with it because you're going to create your own there. You're going to create all this extra angst and hatred and frustration, and you're going to learn to like focus that energy. I was actually just thinking like you should marine recruiters should honestly just be like here do this do this questionnaire real quick and if you get five or six or higher be like okay yeah you can be perfect yeah (laughs) you're you're already ready for this you're set up you got it i want i i bet there should be a study on like especially the marine corps i would i would bet that probably 70 percent of the marines in the marine corps have a high a score probably yeah especially the especially the people that, that i just know like i'm pretty sure they have a high a score Hey, you know what? Uh, when we do our uh, our birthday celebration, and we're all trying to be really happy and excited, we should have everybody do this. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds terrible and depressing. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'll do it on this show. I won't. I wouldn't want to do that for a fun celebration day. No, no, it's because well, it leaves you with like you have to think about things, and most people don't even want to think about it. So, yeah. Anyway, back to freedom. No, yeah, I was saying I answered those questions really quickly, and I'm trying to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, so like things that uh, that we can't do, I guess people are just that we're just used to it. I think that one of the things we have to get used to is like these new mandates and just like, yeah, they suck. But these mandates, to be honest, they're just they're going to be temporary, super temporary. If you look at the the you know the pandemic of nineteen eighteen, that's when mm-hmm. it was right. They all yeah. went through the same mass mandates, and they were fine. Like they came, they, nobody even heard about them until you know. 2020 and someone said that that happened you're like what and then people researched it and we're like holy crap that did happen yeah there's pictures of people going to you know baseball games with masks on and and like i saw signs it was so crazy i saw a picture it was like a, a 1919 photo of, of some people in the full like clothes that they were at the time like super heavy heavy clothes yeah. and a sign that said like put on your mask right next to someone from like 2020 in like total like 2020s clothes with a sign that said put on your mask like it was literally the almost the exact same kind of protesting type setup like there were people back then even saying like hey don't be an asshole put your mask on yeah and what, what and gets... the, there's people trying to take care of each other now too like it, it, i was super surprised like that is cool like uh, well, I mean, back, it's... well back then i think people kind of kind of cared more to be honest i think that people were just they were more well at least with like Especially with their own like communities, right? They definitely seem to care more about people back then. I I have to assume that if there was enough of it going on that there was that photo of someone saying, put on your mask, like there were some people still being like, nah, I don't have to wear my mask. Yeah. But I think back then they probably they probably would have taken drastic measures. <laughs> you know what I mean? They shot him with a Tommy gun. Yeah, there was there wasn't that many cops back then. <laughs> They just got their own justice. Um, so I want to tie, because we are still talking masks. So Japanese culture um, is very much a mask culture. Um, yeah. So, is China so too, if you it? feel sick, you wear it. What's that? So is China, too. They wear masks all the time. Yeah. 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 Um, Philippines is not the same so much. Um, Singapore does, but they're still kind of a balanced um, to Chinese sort of culture tied to it very closely. I couldn't tell you about Vietnam or Thailand for sure. I, I don't know enough. Like, I've been to Thailand plenty of times, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody wearing a mask, so I would assume they don't do the same cultural thing where as soon as you feel sick, you put on a mask, 
if you work in like a, a supermarket or a convenience store, you just wear a mask to work because you're going to deal with hundreds of random people walking in and being right in your face every day. That's just a big risk you don't want to take. Yeah. So they wear masks. Um, and I, I wanted to do some research and I haven't done it. I wonder if there was a time where there was like a law that required it that they were then able to like take away because the culture just got so used to it. It became a part of normal daily activity and you could stop finding people because nobody was needing to get fined. So I wonder if we did make it like a real thing where people would get fined and would be held accountable uh, for wearing their masks. If after a certain period of time, we wouldn't need to tell people they had to, they would just be so used to doing it that they would just wear masks. Like no one tells us we have to wear underwear. You just, well, most people, <laughs> at least if you're going out, you're going to be wearing pants and short and a shirt, right? Yeah. 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 I, I bet it, I mean, it's obviously socially normal there and, uh, that culture, especially in Japan, like they have some of the highest lifespans on the planet, you know what I mean? Because they kind of take care of each other. You know, they, they realize that they're in these most, most of Japan, well, at least like the major cities, you know, yeah. they're densely populated. And yeah. so if, if something breaks out there, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to spread pretty quickly and they've handled, you know, the pandemic pretty well. And yep. they have, they've had a couple of lockdowns, I think maybe one or two. Um, but I think that, you know, they just know to wear masks and to, to go about their own day and they've kept their, their numbers pretty, pretty reasonable. What they did because of knowing how bad everybody else is, they just told everybody else to stay the fuck out. Like they didn't have to do much internally. Cause like you said, everybody's wearing their masks. Um, they just told everybody else like, you're not coming in, like you're not coming into Japan because I, we know that nobody else wears their, their masks the way we do. Yeah. And you guys are all going to be exposed. So, um, until you prove that you're eligible to come in you're not coming in um so you know how the military stuff is working with us through japan right now i don't No. so if you're if you have orders and you're going to go out there and you're going to say like iwakuni or to yakota or to okinawa to any of those or whatever you cannot take commercial flights right now you have to take a military flight so you will fly directly from a military airport in the united states to the base in, that you're going to wow. only two bases right so you'll be on a military flight to yakota military flight to um, Iwakuni or a military flight like from Yokota to Iwakuni then to Okinawa and then you're quarantined on base so like yeah, otherwise you would have to then quarantine in Yokota and then take a commercial flight somewhere else if you needed to but you have to stay there like they make you to go through this process if you flew commercial you would have to quarantine in the airport like they have quarantine stuff set up they will escort you to specific quarantine rooms and hotels nearby mm -hmm. and you'll stay in those rooms until 14 days pass and then you can go back to business <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it's good. I mean, especially knowing that it's not going to be forever. You know what I mean? For now, it's it's fine because I mean, obviously, the, the death count is still really high. And it what's weird to me is like all of the 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 fake like it's just it's I hate, I hate saying fake news, but it's just like these fake stories about how masks hurt people and about how you're gonna have carbon dioxide buildup in your in your lungs or it's going to hold in the virus i'm like well it's supposed to first of all so that's that's you already point. have it if it's there that's yeah that's a stupid argument and i i just don't know why people are having such a problem with a mask now i know why they have it. The, the problem is because it's the whole freedom problem which is the name of the you know this podcast we we're talking about because they think they have yeah. all this freedom but it's Free like listen 
if if you go let's say your appendix bursts and you have to have surgery or any kind of surgery you know and what what do you see the doctor do he washes his hands you know very thoroughly he tosses on some masks uh, probably a face shield too then he works on you do you think he's worried about catching uh appendicitis from you no he's wearing that to protect you in case he has something because he's opening up your body and it's super easy for you to get infected and this has been well, the way... in, in your example even without the uh, uh, actual like communicable disease just the bacteria and things in your mouth and on your face and on your hands that would then be inside your body that aren't supposed to be inside there yeah. are going to cause an infection so they have to protect you from that stuff and they do that all day long every day yeah and they, they go through surgeries that can do like be like 12 plus hours and when you see nurses and stuff like that, um, they wear masks all the time. Um, I don't know why people just made up this this stuff just so they can feel like they can do whatever they want. Um, because it makes them slightly uncomfortable. It's like, wearing a mask is not... I, I've been through way more, more uncomfortable things. It's... it's Like, every day. Like, working out is more uncomfortable for me than wearing a mask. And I work out every day. Because <laughs> it makes you healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and I mean, so, so I have a, a very close... Um, I say family member. Like, uh, this is someone who I always message on Mother's Day, even though not actually my biological mother. One of those people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who is an RN, has been a nurse for a long time, and is very much on the freedom side of this. Like, look, no, like, you can't mandate that we do these things. You can't tell us how to do these things. And so then, as a health professional, it's like, but I'll still wear my mask in the right situations. Like, if it's if it's me and my family sitting at the dining room table here in my house where we're living together and spending 24 hours plus in the weekends, get, like, I'm not going to wear my mask around them. Because I know that mask or not, if one of us has it, there's it. a pretty damn good chance it's getting spread around this house. Yeah. But if we we're all going to go to the store and I know that, you know, uh, maybe I'm either at risk or one of my family members is at risk, I would tell them they should wear their mask. Like, she understands that it is absolutely a medical benefit thing, but it's also like, for the average person, a good percentage of the time, it's really not going to make a difference. You have to be smart about it. But, you know, the discussions we've had a few times was like, not everybody's as smart as that. Not everybody's as, as well aware or understanding of the actual appropriate times and inappropriate times. And so we have to tell them when those times are. Like, hey, if you're going to go to these places, you have to wear a mask because that's what you should be doing. And that's what she knows you would do. But they just don't know that. So we got to spell out those times for people. And it's still, it, it, you know, it irks, it rubs wrong for those of us, right, who constantly say, like, as much as possible, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I get it. I totally understand her stance on it. And I think that um, sometimes in order to make a point, you have to kind of, like, make an extreme point and then say, now, let's talk, let's talk about re realistic. Um, and actually... Um, it can segue, or we can try something else first. Um, could segue to some of the extreme concepts that uh, I had uh, as an idea to talk about. Yeah, segue into that. Like that? Go ahead and segue into that. Okay, so have you heard of the state of nature? No. I mean, I've heard the words together, but I don't know, like, the yeah. specific. <laughs> like... So the state of nature is a, a philosophical concept that's used 
by a lot of like historical philosophers on social science and like political science and anthropology and, and even goes into like archaeology because part of it ties to this idea. So the idea is imagine uh, humanity before societies, right? So at the point where we are so small, we're either individuals in a single place by ourselves or very, very small groups together like maybe two to three individuals at most, right? Like a small family unit is the biggest you can think of in, in this scenario. And so these philosophers, pretty pretty well throughout history since kind of the Renaissance till today, uh, some of the biggest ones are... Yep. I heard that too. Hey, sorry, man. Good. That was it. It's either fireworks or gunfire. <laughs> I couldn't tell because my headphones were on. Yeah, I, I heard it too, though. So there's definitely something like, it sounded like something thumping against the building or something. Yeah, it was like popping. It it had to have been fireworks. Oh, hopefully, shit. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um. Anyway, where were we? Uh, <laughs> where were we? State of nature. Yeah, state of nature. So, okay, put that down. Otherwise, I'm stay distracted playing with Lego. Alright. So, so, yeah, so state of nature is like this philosophical construct where you imagine this society before society, right? And it's mostly individuals. So, you imagine this completely um, free of current social requirements and contracts and all the stuff that we have in place between people right so imagine just individuals or very very small units which are dedicated to each other like what does that look like and so there are lots of different philosophers who have gone over it and um uh, like so supposedly the the very first that's recorded um and it's like some ancient philosophy stuff was um moji which is like a Warring States Chinese era philosopher, and then you get into the two that like I was most familiar with, which are um, Hobbes and Locke. So um, Thomas Hobbes is probably one of the most famous ones because there's a pretty common quote that's used to describe where most people kind of take state of nature concepts, which is that um, I'm just going to read this. All right, so in this state, every person has a natural right to do anything one thinks necessary for preserving one's own life. And life is solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. Right? So this is the way he's, and he's, that's a very, very commonly quoted um, line when discussing the state of nature. So most philosophers kind of go with this, this part of the state of nature as their starting point, and then, then it's about describing how do we get from there to here, and then what are the things that make this work so that we don't end up there that's kind of the way that philosophy goes a lot of times like okay so if you can imagine yeah a place where it's just you and you can do whatever the hell you want to and you have all of the freedom technically in the world do you really have freedom or do you have um a lack of obligation do you have like and so then it's really this discussion on what do all of those things really mean if you think about it from this point of no society to getting to today and then what are the things that are worth preserving in that that like dialogue i guess 
So it's it's a pretty cool philosophical construct to use to have this conversation on, like, what does freedom really mean? Because does freedom mean being in a state of nature and having no obligation to anybody else and just doing whatever you want to to preserve your own life? Yeah, I don't think so because that'd be um, nobody would want to live like that. You really wouldn't. It'd be like uh, it'd be like you know, what was the that movie where they had Wilson? He got, he got stuck on a plane. He got stuck on an island. Uh, uh about the island specifically, right? So that's um No, not not lost. it wasn't it wasn't called the island. It was um Yeah Lost Castaway. No, Castaway. Oh, with Tom Hanks? Yeah. He yeah. had the freedom to do whatever he wanted. With yep. Lost that's actually like that's a step further away from freedom because obviously there's more people there. So you can't do whatever right. you want. But with Castaway, he could do whatever he wanted. But it was limited because obviously you need you, you rely on other people to advance you know, your various pleasures in life. And without them, like, you're kind of lonely. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you can right. do what you want. <laughs> and uh, there was one other one amongst this that I thought was salient to the discussion. I'm trying to find for sure the right quote on it. Um, uh, so one of them basically, I'm, I'm, I'll find the name here in a second. So the key difference he had was that that there's there's no real... Um, way that that ever exists, right? So, humans are naturally social creatures. Yeah. So it's it's almost impossible for that to have ever actually occurred. Um, so while it is a valid philosophical construct, like obviously that didn't ever actually happen. So we should start with what would be those those first early social critical ties, and it's that family unit piece. So what he says is, you still would be concerned with survival. He still agrees with Hobbes saying like it has to be about survival in that early state of nature. Um, but you still have that small family unit. And that's why conflict comes immediately because you now not only have your self preservation, but your family unit preservation who are working together, even if it's a tribe, like, a, you know, say it's three, four families um, who are working together because that's natural human society. Like we're going to work together because we've agreed to do so to help each other survive. I'm going to provide food for all of us. You're going to provide protection. Like they come up with these agreements, yeah. but then, then when there's the, the them versus us, right? The us versus them thing. And it comes back to this, you know, the same things we talk about all the time. Yeah. Um, then, then now there's conflict between this group and those because of this state of nature. Like we have to agree to protect them and take care of each other. And it seems like they have a different contract, even though that's probably the exact same contract inside their tribe. It just seems to conflict with us because of a limitation of resources or, capability for us to continue to take care of ourselves in our tribe as long as they still exist so that's where conflict comes from um so that was i'm gonna figure out i'm gonna look for a second and, and see which philosopher i want to say it was rousseau but i want to double check sure sure no i mean it's interesting when you talk about and something about it um even like a family level when we're talking about conflicts it's like just imagine like if, if you have kids um we'll talk about we'll talk about kids then i'll talk about like a like a partner or a spouse or whatever but when you have kids, if, if you want to, you can't even have true freedom with your kids. Because there's times where you don't want to do what your kid wants you to do. You know what I mean? And for whatever reason, like, you don't you don't want to do it. But you want to make sure that you raise a good person. Like, that should be the goal is to raise somebody better than you, right? That should be the yep. goal for everybody to to have with their, with their kids. But it's like you, you want to help this child um, grow up to be, you know, a functioning adult. But within that contract, you have to kind of you know bend your will to theirs by providing for them because there's times like in the middle of the night when a baby's crying 
you probably don't want to get up to like feed them milk. But you know, if you don't feed them milk, there's dire consequences because they they could die of malnutrition. But you know, if if you had true if you, if you had true freedom, would you really do it? If you had no obligations at all, would you do it? And that's when it comes to like a moral issue. And I think that's what, on a base level, people don't really seem to understand. It's like when you see people like in a like we'll fast forward in modern society. When you see people like in a grocery store where it says, you know, wear a mask and they go in and don't wear a mask and they get mad when somebody asks them to wear a mask. It's like, well, listen, like you're you're going into this place to, to participate in society. You need these goods to survive, but you don't want to fulfill your part of that contract by doing what they're asking you to do to keep them safe. And people don't understand that that's incredibly selfish, that you're imposing your will on others but you're not willing to possibly even consider them imposing their will on you to protect themselves. Yeah. Um, you want a sad, sad kind of correlation to that? Hmm. So people needing to go into these stores for things that they need for sustenance and then refusing to wear a mask because of the concern for others. Uh, did I tell you we went to Kane Brown concert this last weekend? Yeah, I saw you went. And so... You had to wear a mask, and you had to have your vaccine or have a negative COVID test within 72 hours of going into the concert, right? And people would still walk in, like, don't have their mask on or be kind of in line without their mask on. Anybody there said, hey, you need to put your mask on? Mask on. They sure didn't want to get kicked out of this concert. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, <sighs> you, you put your mask on for that. You know, I think this is like... We'll have to add another. Cause we have there's always there's reoccurring themes with this podcast. I think it's obviously um, Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs. There's uh, what was the other one? There was like three of them. Us Maybe. versus them. Us versus them. Um, I think the next uh, one it, it should abundance. be social co- social contracts. Scarcity versus abundance. Yeah, scarcity versus abundance, and I think social contracts. That's another thing. And, that's uh, four. And infrastructure. Infrastructure is sexy. Yeah. So there you go. Five. Five reoccurring themes. That, uh, that pop up a lot, and they all have to kind of, they're not interchangeable, but they all kind of, like, support each other, you know what I mean, on, like, a, on a certain level, so I think that's just, that's interesting when you, when you talk about societies, that these things have to, like, these are recurrent themes in society, that people just don't even recognize, I didn't recognize it up until we started having, like, a bunch of conversations, you know, so. Yeah. And what, what I think the key piece of the us versus them, which I feel like was kind of where you were pulling this one, is that the only reason that that continues to be a theme and continues to be a part of this is not in order to create conflict, right? It's in order to create unity amongst the us, right? So when you say us versus them, you're talking about it from the group that is us. Like the only way that statement makes sense is if I say us, I'm talking to someone who is a part of us versus them over there. Yeah. And it's not so that we can say, because I actually have a problem with those people or problem with that group or that group is actually any has anything wrong with them they could be literally the exact same group of people doppelgangers of us but the goal is to make sure that we are united and strong and taking care of each other and that first part of like that state of nature version i told you about where hey we have to agree like we're going to take care of each other and that's how we survive in this state of nature and one really key way to do that is be like if we don't work together they're going to take us out yeah and, and that's super easy and primal like we can understand that and people will work together and then and then suddenly like we have a unity we have a group we have society and we can come up with rules we can agree to all these things 
that we would not have been able to make happen if we didn't have that that ominous thing over there to, to talk about so yeah especially when you look at like modern times uh, uh, this is like probably the sketchiest time period that america has had since like world war Two, in my opinion um maybe the cold war um, gonna, yeah. but it's like it's super sketchy right now because not only have we had like these, these external attacks on our democracy but we also have this weird separation within the United States where it's the, it used to be us, well, sort of, on, for the most part, us, right? We used to kind of agree on things. But now like there's like this huge divide in America right now where we really need to be to, we really need to come together because there's a whole bunch of issues that are external to the United States that could come down and like screw up a lot of things, but we're squabbling over putting a piece of piece of cloth over our face can you imagine if we had an actual emergency in the united states would we come together at this point i don't know like to be honest with you i don't know i mean i tend to say yes because i think that's it it would be that unifying thing to easily point to the them and make us back to being us again and that's that's where um you know that that's where that whole concept works it works well. That's how human humanity works. So if, if that kind of thing happened to the point where you could easily point to it and be like, oh, look at that, and we need to be us, and people would rally. Um, even when we didn't have a for sure, like, validated, it's them over there. Like, we knew it was someone else, you know, for September 11th, 2001. Like, yeah. someone attacked us. Whoever that is, whenever we figure that out, we'll, get them. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait till we get them. Yeah. You know, and there's, I, I can remember it, like, I was in Pensacola, Florida, and I can remember driving to and from school and like the only flags around were the ones on base, like that post flag, like the, the big command flags. Those were the only flags around. No one had flags up. Yeah. And within a week, trucks with flags everywhere, like everyone had flags up all over the place. It was, it was insane. If you weren't alive or old enough to like actually witness it, there are videos, but it was still totally different to have been there and seen it happen and see those flags up all the place and, and feel how like strongly the country was united for that that period of time right afterwards it's pretty pretty crazy that is crazy but i mean what's really weird though i mean for me is like i guess maybe it's because it's a virus that's killing people and you can't like you can't really go to war with a virus even though they, they try to like go to war with covid but you can't i mean maybe that is it we don't have a them but we definitely have over seven hundred thousand deaths you know, like, I would have thought that that would have brought people together. Like, you would think that, you know, life is sacred and that so, we... But, but, but won't you argue that people did try to make it about and us versus them at certain points in this whole thing? Say, wait, say that again? So, was there or was there not dialogue in plenty of media about it being about this is from them over there. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it should be about it being about from them. But that's when it got weird, though, because then it became, like, uh, them, but then it was, like, then it became internally us versus them. You know, it's just, like... Yeah. It's kind of like they, uh... <laughs> it's like someone was pointing a gun at something, and they just, like, moved to the left, like, way far to the left, and, like, shot the wrong thing. It's like, oh, we got him. <laughs> but, you know, it's like... Well, well, or I would say, like you say, it's about someone shooting a gun at someone and then blaming the gun. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, but, okay, we missed the target there. Like, there was a person who shot that gun. So it's like, yes, 
if we try to make the conversation about it came from this country and you turn it around to make it like, well, it's about those same people who are already in this country. But like, what? That doesn't. No, they were still here. So how is it not? You're you're missing what we're trying to say. Yeah, right? there was. There was... Say, like that person shot somebody. Oh, then they shouldn't have those kinds of guns. Yeah. The... How is that not the person who shot the person? Like. I... Yeah, the the rhetoric that comes around. I mean, you know, the the whole gun. That's another freedom thing that I want to talk about. Yeah, let's talk about freedom of guns. Yeah, because we don't we we have freedom of gun. We don't really have. We, you, we have some freedom with certain guns in America. In certain states, you have more freedoms, but you don't have complete... You can't buy a goddamn minigun, even in Texas. Sorry. I was going to say, especially especially in California, you only have some rights with some guns. Yeah, only with some. So, And I think that, on to be honest with you, I think that everybody should need to take at least a test to own a firearm, to know how it basically operates. You know, and if you have kids, you should have some safety measures, you know, on those firearms. Uh, and yeah. you know, but people get mad when you talk about it, <laughs> you know? So like, here's how those kinds of rules would work. Right. And this is where the like law based political scientist part of me comes out where like, so say we require certain safety measures. Like I have my guns locked in a secure thing inside my house with specific access required. So that way the kids are kind of protected. Right. So say that's a law, which it is in California for sure. Like, it has to be in, like, a secure space. No one's going to, like, be going around and checking everyone's house. And, like, specifically looking to cite people for that rule, right? That's not that's not how those kinds of rules work. Uh, how it becomes a rule is when something else happens. Yeah. And you come into this house. You're looking for that other thing. And you're like, hey, by the way, you're going to need to get cited on this also. So then you know that that's potentially a citation you could get. And so then you try not to do that because you don't want to get in trouble for it. Yeah. That's all. Um, so I, I got to tell you a story. So Logan, my son, who's uh, <laughs> 19, 19. I was like, is he 20? No, he's not 20. Uh, maybe he is. I can't remember. No, 19. Because uh, we were talking about him being not a teenager anymore, not just the other day. And we're like, oh, my God, that's crazy. I think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so and it's like we're not uh, we're not even that old, and we have old older kids, you know. Yeah. Because my, I mean, my, my oldest yeah. is about to turn nineteen, so yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah. So next year, my son will no longer be a teenager. You're like, holy crap. <laughs> so, anyways, he sends me a message because we've been bothering him. Like, you need to tell us what the hell you want for Christmas, so we can start planning this out and getting stuff here, so that when you come here, we have gifts for you. So he messages me last night. He's like, "Hey, I know what I want for Christmas." <laughs> sends me this link and I open it up and so for for only 94,000 great british pounds you can buy a russian tank <laughs> like okay super cool and actually that's not a bad price but hell no I ain't spending 94,000 pounds on it but you could just go buy a tank right now yeah you I've buy, seen one buy. driven around california obviously <laughs> it doesn't shoot but it's a tank <laughs> I was like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. So I don't think you'd be able to register it as a firearm in California. No, no, no. You'd have to like it'd have to be uh, what do they call it? Not decommissioned, but basically they have to disable the firing mechanism on it. Probably just take the whole barrel off. So. <laughs> oh, that then not look like a tank. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anywho, sorry. No, it's so, it's all good. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know. 
firearms are are very yes we have the second amendment but yes there's a lot of firearms that you cannot buy in most states and nobody really has most citizens are okay with those laws i'm not okay with like the i don't like the way that we have like the assault quote-unquote assault rifle ban because i think it's stupid assault rifle just the name is stupid and what makes it an actual assault rifle is really stupid it's like a it's a pistol grip uh what a compensator a detachable magazine and i was like one other thing that was dumb what was the last thing Collapsible buttstock. Yeah, something like But these are all things that just make it easier to control. You know, so why wouldn't you want to make somebody more accurate? I have no idea. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because, so, I mean, you want my answer on it. It's because the government would benefit from making sure the citizens don't have the ability to accurately fight back against the military. It's trying to tell the citizens that they need to do things that, um, you know, are beyond the scope of what should be able to be directed by a government yeah, some but, people think that's freaking wearing a mask but it's it's not that like it's it's much further than that like yeah i think even go, go ahead. ahead no no go ahead. No, I'm, Finish done. I'm done sorry i'm done well, what, i was i was but when it comes to like you know the whole you know defending us from the military if you're a citizen there's like two points like first of all um you're never going to get anywhere near the sorts of firearms that the military has in general like you're never going to be able to buy you know an f-22 you know, you don't be able to buy a bomb to drop it on somebody's house. It's just not going to happen. So no. the rifle is not going to help you against that at all. Um, and the second point is that people seem to forget that America's military is made up of citizens. And so asking citizen, former citizens, well, they're still our citizens, but former non-military citizens that became military members to fight against their own citizens is a hard pill to swallow for likely a large portion of the military. So if you actually did go, if shit really hit the fan and they asked the military to like literally start destroying their own citizens, I don't think it would fly with most of the military. That's my own honest opinion. I mean, it worked during the Civil War. Yeah, but we're way past Civil War. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... You don't see scenario where a Civil War could happen again in, in, in this country. I think it could happen, but I don't think that the military would... They would try to quell probably some skirmishes... But I don't see the military going out in mass and like kicking ass, you know, against all of its citizens. I I, I just don't see that that happening. I because just think about like where we come from. Like, what if they sent you to like your hometown to go like just you know subdue your your hometown? Like, I wouldn't do that. And I'll yeah, I would go to the brig. Like, I might be charged with treason. But I I would be very uncomfortable with like literally um, using force against my own citizens and something that I really didn't believe in. So, so have you watched The Rock? I have to assume you have. Yeah, yeah. They talk about the old movie, like back in the with uh, what's the guy's name? Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah. Freaking, what's his name? Uh, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Um. So there are aspects of that which are absolutely in like asinine and ridiculous. Um. But like, the parts where that general talks about like, our oath is to to, you know defend and i think it was actually the the navy seal commander or whatever who like infiltrates mm -hmm. and he's talking to the general and he's like general our, our oath is to fight all enemies foreign and domestic like you are here and you are fighting against us you are doing things that are not safe and it is my oath and my obligation to fight to, to fight you like i have to like that's what we're supposed to do and so that's an oath that we took and so say if i said that you know citizens 
we're surrounding a capital of a state, whichever one it is or whatever, and we're going to like kill all of the representatives for that state legislature yeah, that's if a certain thing didn't didn't change, like if they didn't didn't remove that governor who's telling them they have to wear masks. Yeah, yeah. I'd go there and provide military presence to tell them that's not okay. Like we can find a better way to solve this problem as a society. Because I agree that we should I think we can do that. And that's part of what military provides is the ability to be like, hey, let's make a smarter decision than this one that you're doing right now. Let's say instead, you know, it was that Alaska wants to tell us we all have to allow 11-year-olds to get married and we should probably marry all 11-year-olds off as soon as they turn 11. Like, uh, no, no, you can't tell us we have to do that. And I would be okay with fighting against that mandate as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean those are obvious ones, right? But where are there ones that you weren't comfortable with? Like, you know, I would have to think of like a scenario. Uh, uh, say, say a tax percentage is too high. Yeah, and like uh, like a city revolted, you know, and they're not, they're not killing anybody, but they're definitely not paying taxes anymore. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so then then I'd be okay with uh, a blockade, right? And yeah. a, a, a uh, what's it called when you surround a city and don't let people in and out and don't let supplies go in and out? Isn't Can't that a blockade? Out. Blockade is naval, technically. Oh, yeah. A, um, a siege, right? So to besiege the city, like, yeah, well, you can't come in or out. You want to set up your own little autonomous zone? Great. You're not getting anything in or out of it. Yeah. yeah. Feel free to try to survive on that four city blocks. But then what if they, like, said, well, you have to, like, you know, maybe start killing people or something like that. And then it's be like, what if, if, at some point, there's going to be a moral issue that could happen to where you might be like, hmm, I don't know. You know? So then, then you... You know, then those members who are a part of the military uh, can be like most militaries throughout history and be the 70% of soldiers with a rifle in their hands who don't even fire their weapon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's some pretty serious studies in some books that you don't like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, talk about, they talk about how most soldiers don't even fire their weapons. Yeah, but uh, although, way, although I think that one was on killing which you probably should read on combat i get that you don't like it because the, the author but I, I have on killing still in my queue it's still there it's it's it's, yeah. it's downloaded it's there i'll get to it <laughs> but yeah it's some good stuff. i think that you know when it comes to like if the military actually had to use force against the civilian population the civilian population wouldn't really stand a chance so when people talk about well we need our rifles to protect ourselves from the military no because you don't you're well, not going to stand a chance but it depends, right? So in that scenario I gave where they're making a point, you're not going to make a point with a 22 handgun. No. So if we want citizens to be able to stand their ground to some extent, and I know that might not be the right term, but to be able to stand their ground on certain positions against the government, they need to have at least enough firepower to be like, you really could clear that entire city or at least that entire block before we can really figure out exactly strategically what we're willing to do it's probably not bombing the city also because then I'm kind of defeating the purpose and doing your job for you. So it, it becomes a lot more difficult when you limit those uh, weapons. And that's part of why that rule was put in place. Is like you can't let the government tell you you can't have firearms, you can't have the ability to defend yourself against that government, which could be oppressing us. And I, I would be willing to bet that the tax rates in many states and in general across the country the founding fathers, like gen that generation of Americans, would be like, "Holy crap, you're paying what to the government?" <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I think on that. Obviously, I I would hope for different means to like resolve that. But yeah, we definitely are not living 
the original intent of the founding fathers. Like, I'm just, I'm leaving out obvious, you know, issues with, like, the way that we were founded when it comes to, like, paying taxes um, and who pays taxes. There's a huge issue with that. So when people want to yeah. talk about, you know, all of our amendments and all of our rights and blah, 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 it's like, well, why don't you look at, like, who's supposed to be paying taxes in America? It's not supposed to be every single citizen. It's not. Prior to World War II, I've said it many times in this podcast, the average citizen did not pay taxes. It was only the wealthy that paid taxes. And after World War II, we went to a war economy, and they decided that everybody... In World War II, I can understand paying taxes. I got it. Like, we had, we definitely had a mission to, com- to complete. The mission was accomplished. Everybody came home. We, we had to, you know, keep the taxes for a little bit to rebuild, you know, the nation. A couple of pet projects got that. But after that, they should have reverted it right back to the, the wealthy people paying their taxes again. Because right now, they're not paying hardly anything. Like, some of them are paying less than 3% in taxes. And some of them will argue, oh, well, I'm paying 53%. Yeah, you're, you're paying 53% on your income from whatever corporation that you happen to pull an income from. But you're not pulling any taxes from the money that you borrow from these banks at all because you nobody pays taxes on a loan, right? <laughs> you might pay interest, but you get prefer preferential treat, treatment on your loan interest rates because you have money. And there's all these things they do to get around all these taxes. So they're paying less than all of us are. So I think that if we went back to a system to where the citizens were paying less in taxes and the wealthy people were, the wealthy people and the corporations were paying more in taxes, then we'd be way better off. I was watching a video the other day are you aware that um, the car companies are the ones that kind of screwed up, like the way that, like our whole public transportation system, and that they're the ones they're the ones that got us to pay taxes to pay for the roads? No, so explain that. Maybe. Yeah, so back in the day, it was like back in like right around when cars started first getting invented. The vast majority of people, like in cities, they would use a public transportation to get around. They would just use like. Um, buses or mainly trolleys and stuff like that that were like on tracks and so most of the roads that we have today they first originally were made from tracks that were used for public transportation well car companies came around and they decided that they wanted to start getting people to use more cars obviously because they want to make a profit and there was a guy i forget who it was it was like one of the owners of like gm he ended up being like the department of defense head and he decided to take money from the military and use it to start building roads and then they were like okay what we're going to do is we're going to take the roads that were formerly used for these trolleys and we're going to tear up all the trolley tracks so you can no longer use the trolley tracks and we're going to build roads and you're going to use the the money that you're going to get to build those roads are going to come out of your taxes through fuel taxes and uh, state and local taxes i was just like whoa are you serious and this is why to this day if you look at other countries that develop the cars around the same time as us, that they have an awesome public transportation system, but we don't. Because if you look at all the other, all these other, like, Japan, China, a lot of places in Europe, they have, like, these high-speed rails. They have excellent public, public transportation, but we don't. And the main reason why is because of the U.S. automotive uh, <clears throat> industry. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, like, I, I will tell you... Uh, definitely, definitely Japanese, Japanese Korean, um, like mass transit systems are really nice. Not just like efficient, but like always clean, 
Yeah. Like, you're, I loved traveling those. Paris? Oh, hell no. That was disgusting. <laughs> like, there was, like, people literally taking a shit and in the, in the station while we're like, oh, I have kids here. What are you doing? Like, oh, my God. Like, you need to get on this train. <laughs> kids go over here. Like, it's like you're in the Bay Area. Like, I'm, I'm Bart. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, people shooting up, shooting up on plane, uh, on the, on BART. But they're just freebase. <laughs> we just went to LA last weekend for that concert, and there were several areas, and this was something Enrique was saying too. He's like, and I think he said it in that last podcast, that it's really disheartening, like, to look and see all the, the homeless, like, camp areas and stuff. You're like, this is not normal. No. This shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't, and they're not doing. They're not doing enough meaningful things about it. And that's the problem. They're doing stuff, but nothing is changing anything. It's just getting worse. How free would you say those people are? They're totally free. So if you're... If you don't have the bottom tier of Maslow's hierarchy taken care of, are you free to do what you want? Are you really struggling to try to just survive? And that doesn't really necessarily make you free. Well, that's the thing. It's like if you're if you're free on that level, then yeah, I would. There's like a thing where it's like you're free, but also you're not getting your needs met. <laughs> so that's that's yeah. a, that is a serious problem. Yeah, I'd say the the one thing you can say for sure at that level that you're free to die. Yeah, you're, you go right over there and die. Free to do so. I mean, that's the only thing. And that... frustrates the crap out of me. Sorry, I, I maybe not that didn't maybe didn't come out of there correctly or sound right, but that's definitely it. Frustrates me, and I, I don't like it. Well, I don't like the way that I wish we had that the podcast that I screwed up because we talked a little bit about this. Well, we talked a lot about this on yeah. the podcast, just like the the homeless problem, and it's just like it's a problem that people just can't really seem to like wrap their head around. And I think that one of the problems with the homeless issue is that on some level, society is going to have to make some concessions to yeah. people that are homeless. And I know that it, it comes down, and a lot of people go they they fall back on like their moral obligations. To what the homeless are doing in their personal lives and i'm like i'm not really interested in what they're doing in their personal lives what i what i am in, interested in is getting a a functioning member of society back and whatever that might take might be uncomfortable but let's get to that place they're obviously living in a comfortable life let's do what we can to to fix that there was a quote that somebody said the other day that i totally agree with is um let's do the best we can to at least lessen human suffering. And I don't think that, that. We're do, that we're doing that with them. No, and I... Like you mentioned earlier, I don't know that it should be on those who are making, you know, less to be the ones who take care of that. At least not to carry most of the burden. Um, but, like... They, they are who will, right? They're the people with the compassion and the concern and the care that would be willing to make this kind of a an agreement are going to be the people who probably aren't the most likely to be able to afford it and not worry about it, but that's who's going to end up carrying that burden. I mean, you know me, the first step would be UBI, but I'm just saying. I think that would be the most meaningful thing. And instead of having like a... That would be... Because I'm not interested in most of the overarching like this will work for everybody i think ubi would be like it should work for the most amount of people but we also need to have to take a look at this on an individual level because not every i think that one of the problems with 
trying to end the homeless situation is kind of lumping them all together as if they all have the same needs. Yeah. Because they don't. Because they're human beings. We all have different needs. And so, yeah, some of them are drug addicts. That's true. Some of them have mental issues. That's true. But some of them, um, society just kind of left them behind. And they just couldn't make enough money to participate in society anymore. And, and now I'm remembering, too, something from the podcast we lost, where I think we've probably done it a few times in this, and I didn't even realize it, is that instead of saying the homeless or whatever, right, it's it's people who are homeless yeah, or, or homeless people because by by using that general term of saying like it defines them by their homelessness instead of identifying like you just said it's like there's something else going on that potentially they would need help with and that would be what would help them with their homelessness and instead we still just say that they are homeless and that is the the, I, the thing that identifies them instead of focusing on the fact that um, they're people, and they happen to be homeless, and we should probably be working to fix that. Yeah, like I wonder if I anybody, that. I wonder if there was like any studies of like somebody just went out and just like asked them, "Hey, what do you need? What do you need to put you in a better situation in life? If you need a home, would that help you?" Um, I know some some of them might be fine with their situation, and we're yeah. we're just gonna have to accept that. But some of them probably have some needs that they need to have fulfilled that they don't know how to fulfill them. And that's when society yeah. should help them. Yeah, and I I can't remember what I was either reading or I think it was a show where, like, someone was trying to get a job but they were homeless and you had to put your address, like, on the form for this job application to be able to get that job. And it's like, what do I put as my address? How do I get out of this spot that I'm in if I can't even, like technically even apply for a job like i don't have a way to tell them how to contact me or anything about this and you know and then you're just frustrated and you just leave that job like chance that chance at that job because you're like i don't even know what to put down here right now so like something as simple as that like if this is a homeless camp here's their address and there's a mailbox out front y'all can just all get mail here we can solve it with the post office we're going back <laughs> yeah. to episode one. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah i mean people not having basic things like being able to get mail and having an address. That's like, that's things that, that's something that people don't even think about. You know, that's, that's not nope. anybody's radar, you know, cause we all just take it for granted. It's, it's like when I think that most people that talk about freedom in the context that I talked about in the beginning, there are people that probably have like, they have more freedom than others because of they have their needs already met and they already, and they, they're already at a certain level to where they can, they have, uh, mobility in their life but there's other people where they don't have that same sort of mobility that they 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 literally have less freedom by virtue of just having less resources and I think that most people they are so inept that it doesn't even occur to them that people like that exist you know it's like when people just say well just you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps but like man if you don't got boots like it's pretty hard <laughs> you know Yeah, it's 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 tough, and I think that it it's not going to be a single solution. And that's where I think simple little ideas like that that silly little one, like what if that what if that area just had an address? Like, okay, let's start by telling these people, hey, look, we're gonna put a mailbox here for those of you who want to get out of here and need an address in order to have a job application, and you're working to try to get there. Um, 
you can use this. This is the address here. And and I, I had this. So Cindy was watching um, Chicago Med. Mm-hmm. She loves that. There's like there's three different Chicago based TV shows that are made by the same guy who did Law and Order that um, cover the fire department, the hospital and the police force. Like and they kind of all interact with each other in certain episodes. Yeah. So she was watching Chicago Med and one of the doctors mom is currently homeless because you know a lot of those shows like are trying to handle social issues like yeah. and address them and talk about them which i love i love that they do that um and she goes she meets up with her mom she's given her some money so she can take care of something she needed to take care of whatever i missed that part at the very beginning of the episode but then she's like mom can we can we go get dinner it's like we don't have to go sit down somewhere because i know that makes you uncomfortable but like can we just get takeout we can even come back here and eat you know i wherever she's at her little tent place that she had. And she's like, yeah, that'd be nice. Let me grab my backpack. So she goes to her little, like kind of makeshift tent thing and grabs her backpack. And I was like, to me, I thought I said, I wonder what the culture is like in these areas, right? Where people are homeless and they're living in a general space together. And they know that like, do they respect each other's space? Like, is someone going to like move into her little hut when she's gone for like an hour to go get dinner? Yeah. And my, my natural instinct was like, probably not these people probably do have a great deal of respect for each other's little bit of like their own little world. Like they're not going to go take that space over. It's not. Yeah. I mean, when you're living sort of on the fringes of society like that, like you have to have some sort of code, like there there have to be like some sort of natural code to live by. Cause if you don't, they would get dark quick, you know, and I'm sure there is like dark stuff happening. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's hard by, I would imagine if something dark did happen, that there's probably some sort of code that that deals with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that person's gone. I, I would say that's probably about as close to the state of nature as our modern like society has. Is you could go look at those places and you could honestly see like what is it like when society is smaller and like is more focused on survival and is it's close niche. And I guarantee a lot of them are like it's us in this little community of people trying to survive versus them all the rest of this city like it's us taking care of each other i guarantee them that's happening yeah all right well i think we're at right around the two hour mark so we're yeah trying to make it, a little... i don't know if that was all the kind of freedom you wanted to talk about though that was most of it is there is there something is there more you want to talk about no it was that state of nature piece of this when you mentioned it i was like oh that's i mean there's a big part of that philosophy group that talks about it that is like this is, you know, imagine the most free you could be. It's like, yeah, that sounds terrible. Like, no no protection against wildlife or nature or anything else. Like, And like I said, with the thing, it's like, you're that free, you're, you're free to die. Yeah. That's what you're free to do. Well, I mean, that's basically the only thing you have to do in life is die. I mean, it's you can do it. Guaranteed. Can, yeah. And technically, you can do whatever you want in life, but you have to deal with the consequences. <laughs> so but the one thing you have to do is just is you have to die at some point yeah and ideally we would make the trip there uh what do you say as as low suffering as possible yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to get into that that mindset of like recognize that everybody has you know different needs they could be at a different state in their life um and just try to be more compassionate about stuff you know it's it's hard though because I think, I don't know if this is an American mindset or just like a human mindset, um, but it's easy to like self-insulate from everything, but totally be oblivious to the fact that you need other people 
to, to be able to self-insulate from other people. Because in order for me to self-insulate, I still need to have somebody to build, like, my house, you know, make my food, you know, farm, you know, do all these things so, that, so I can consume, so I can stay alive. I can't do it on my own. Mm-mm. You know, and just, just because I trade pieces of paper and, you know, you know, digital, you know, money to get these things, they, they still, those people still have value. You know, and they, and they help us in, like, in, in a lot of different ways. And I think that our current society is like treated people that help us like like garbage and it's just like man like could you imagine like those people didn't exist like what you would have to do like could you imagine like having to like have your own farm and like feed yourself like most people don't know how to do that like at all and i'm weird so like i looked up not too long ago like a fully self-sustaining property like where you raise the like you you have to build it out just right with and if you you could do it on basically like half an acre how you and like a, a family of four or whatever could survive on this half acre total land house and all, growing all the right crops and everything. And you could be so totally self-sufficient. But like you said, like most people couldn't do that. And we're definitely not doing that now. Um, I think, I think that would sounds awesome. Like I would love to be able to have the space, like have land and like build that out and know that I could do it. You know, um, just, just honestly, I would put in all that work just to be like, I could if I needed to. <laughs> like, yeah, just to know it. It would be cool, but then I'd obviously there's creature <laughs> comforts that I want, and so that that's when it, this is like the societal trap, right? Because there's things that I want that I can't create on my own. It's like yeah, if I really needed to, I probably could farm, right? Mm-hmm. But like I couldn't make a TV and farm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know that's the problem is like I can't I can't develop a video game, you know, <laughs> so yeah, and so I like. I'm sure that those places are like self-sufficient in a way where like survival needs are taken care of and then you're using your electricity and still connecting like to the internet for your stuff. You're still be able to pick up satellite TV if you wanted to. But if those things went away, you'd still survive. I think that's like the whole goal. Like as long as your property sustains you, all the rest of that stuff's cool. We kind of had that conversation while we were in LA because we, we both kind of hate the city. (laughs) Yeah, LA is one of the worst places on the planet, in my opinion. I hate that whole area. But I mean, just in general, like you go in, you're like, oh, the traffic, and like, how do I get anywhere on these little streets, and like all that stuff. Like, just being in a city is like this pressure, stressful feeling for both of us. We like are from middle-sized towns near cities. Those kind of places is where we're from. So it's like being in the heart of any big city like that is like, oh my god, this is so not where I want to be. But then was like, we were at this nice hotel and walked over to this concert hall went to this amazing concert like walked over got hot dogs on the street like everything's right here you're like this is that's kind of nice yeah but then like that block over there is like all graffiti and like <laughs> terrible terrible neighborhood and like you're like right. yeah i just don't want to be a part of this i want to be somewhere else yeah it's it's you can do it in like little bite-sized pieces like i, I like going to san francisco but i would never want to live there ever in my life want to live there like, <laughs> all right, man. All right, good conversation. Uh, next one should be a good episode. It'll be the season. Fi- almost at series finale. We're not ending. We're doing the season finale. No. So, yeah, I'm kind of nervous about the number of people. But other than that, I think we'll be all right. With four people, that's the first time we've done that. So it'll, it'll, we'll, we'll see. Well, first time you've done it. I do five all the time. You do. It's the first time we 
we yeah, have first done. one we have yeah because uh i think you guys have a dynamic for one um your timing is good we still screw up our timing from time to time and like oh he's ready to talk i can back off and transition we're, we're working that out still well we keep it more um, respectful between the two of us like we because we try to respect each other's time not that i don't do it on the other podcast but whenever when there's four people it's like well who's somebody's gonna be constantly talking and sometimes you want to get something in there but you don't have time so yeah yeah but don't worry, this, it's going to be three Marines and a civilian guy, so... Eric's a Marine, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So at least it really will only be three of us talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's going to get... No, Patrick will be fine. He's a good dude. <laughs> yeah. All right. Appreciate you all for listening and hanging out with us tonight, and we'll see you in the next one. Later. Bye. It's Rebel, but I can't read anything else because it's too pixelated. Oh, yeah. That was a dumb idea. Yeah. I, I can't barely see you. Here, look at this. Um, I still have it has in my mouth, so I'll take a second. It's all good. Um, so it's Rebel. It's Rebel, and it's peanut butter caramel chip. Oh, nice. Rebel's good because it's, it's keto, sort of. Yeah. It's definitely lower carb. Yeah. Um, so, like, serving 10 grams of carbs in this thing or something like that. Which isn't bad. No, no. I have a, quite a few of those in my freezer. I haven't had them in a while, though. I haven't been too um, too strict on it this last week, so I'm like, well, whatever. Yeah.